We sure are here on Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin and Amber Wilson wishing everyone out there who has served in the armed forces a happy Veterans Day. Special shout out to my grandfather, Gerald Bruce, a lieutenant junior grade in the Navy, and my father, Dr. Thomas Cronin, a lieutenant in the Navy as well. Welcoming in Jason Fitz of Spain and Fitz now here on Canty and Carlin. Talk a little college football week 11 at Action number four, TCU against number 18, Texas. This is the big one happening on Saturday. TCU has won all nine games this season, including four wins over ranked opponents. Texas won the last four or five, including a win then number 13, Kansas State, last week. So Texas is favored by seven points in this game. It's kind of a hard one to predict, though, given what we've seen from TCU this season. Fitz, what's your read on TCU and Texas? TCU has gotten away with the fact that they've slow started a lot. Three times this year they've trailed in the second half of games, which isn't what you usually see from a number four team. So, guys, I I think this comes down to really not TCU. This comes down to Quinn Ewers. I mean, Texas, frankly, has had one of those years where one week they'll look great, the next week they'll they'll look okay. But TCU has left enough runway for everybody to feel like, eh. There, there's there's room for a slip-up. This just feels like that right opportunity. TCU has played. I, I want to give Max Duggan a ton of credit because you want to talk about somebody that has exceeded everything that anybody thought he was capable of this year. TCU's got great wide receivers. They've got a great quarterback, but their defense has been suspect. So I think this is going to be one of those old-fashioned Big 12 shootouts, but Texas has a real shot to upset, and if I, I say upset, according to the rankings, upset the entire college football playoff system with this one. Fitz, uh, crazy that we didn't lead with Alabama. Uh, refreshing that we don't have to lead with Alabama, but I'm going to get into <laughs> Alabama now because that's what we do when we talk college football. Nick Saban, he said all the right things. He said that he's put Alabama struggles on him, nobody else. Is it crazy to say that we are seeing maybe the end of the Alabama dynasty here? I don't know if this is the end of the dynasty, but this is a bad Alabama team. And that's, I mean, the hardest part about this is that Alabama this year is undisciplined. And, you know, I host on Saturdays the college football show with A.J. McCarron, who has won his fair share of national championships there. And every week he gives me some spin on why it's a positive still for Bama. And it just, it isn't. They went into last Saturday last in the entire nation in drop passes, last in the SEC in drop passes. They, they lead the country in penalty yards. You start to think about what this Alabama team has hasn't done well they haven't been disciplined and they've got they usually can get away with certain things because they're just so stinking good now when you've got a world where Georgia's really good and uh, frankly we've seen an upstart from other uh, LSU it looks like they put it together they get these little plays these little opportunities they leave the crack the window cracked I think Alabama this year could be poised to take a loss on Saturday this this becomes a really important game because if you're Ole Miss and you're Lane Kiffin Man, if you can't beat this Bama team, what version can you beat? This Bama defense is handsy in the secondary and not great up front. They're not getting the pressure anybody expected, and they're taking on an Ole Miss team that, while it's Lane Kiffin and we think pass, this Ole Miss team can run the football like it's nobody's business. I think Ole Miss could actually pull one off here, and if they do, then the wheels have totally fallen off in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, last two years, the Crimson Tide have not been very good on the road. Six of their eight games away from Bryant-Denny Stadium in the regular season, all decided by one score they face an Ole Miss team in Oxford tomorrow that's trying to keep pace with LSU for the SEC West title a team that knocked off Alabama in overtime last Saturday we're talking with Jason Fitz Spain and Fitz which is coming up next year on ESPN radio 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern time so we saw 
two rounds of the college football playoff rankings already released. TCU, a team that we just talked about moments ago, it was number four in that mix. Uh, Ohio State, Michigan, and Georgia also in the first four, at least the first four as it stands right now. What stood out to you the most, though, with the way that the committee has done their job, these first two sets of rankings? Well, this is a very safe committee. And, you know, we had the chance to talk to the committee chair and rankings reaction, and I asked him why TCU was number four, because I think some would argue that, you know, maybe they were underrated week one, maybe overrated week two, and his answer was wins matter to this committee. Well, I have a hard time with that when I also look at an Alabama team with two losses ahead of teams with one loss. So wins matter until they don't matter, but I think what this committee has done is they basically played it really safe, knowing that either Michigan or Ohio State's going to take a loss, which will probably put them out of it. They've also very conveniently uh, told us that they think a lot of USC, UCLA, and Utah, which will be important for Oregon that's sitting right outside of the top four, that's going to have the opportunity if they went out to win the Pac-12 championship. So I think what the committee has done is basically said, hey, how do we ruffle the least amount of feathers, put everybody where it's fine right now, but we can excuse needing to drop teams when it actually gets to the rankings that count. It feels like this committee is less about the eye test and more about let's just keep everybody happy until we absolutely have to not. Fitz, we are headed towards a college football playoff expansion. We're not there yet. And one of the arguments in favor of it was, well, we need more parity. But this season, it feels like we are getting the parity. I mean, we're sitting here, we're talking about TCU, right? Alabama's not in the mix. We're talking about Georgia maybe being the next dominant team, but certainly not the traditionally dominant team. Do you feel like the expansion is still necessary? Are you in favor of it? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing with expansion is it's just going to give us like big names that are blowing each other out eventually, right? Like the, the hardest part with expansion is right now, I think we could make an argument that there it's hard to find the top four teams because I'm not sure there are four great teams in college football. So we're going to end up with a lot of mediocre teams waiting to get absolutely bludgeoned by the best of the best. So I'm not sure that it really changes our end result, but in this world, it was unavoidable. The one thing that I hate the most about expansion isn't that we're getting it it's that the committee is going to allow for automatic bids what happens right now is on Wednesday morning you can tune in to get up and they're talking about the college football playoff because a committee arbitrarily decides who the top four are right if we get into a world where when we get into a world I should say where the ACC has an automatic bid where's the drama in wherever Clemson is placed so I think it's going to make college football less important to a national audience until we hit the playoffs much like we don't talk about college basketball until we have to at March Madness college football is going to feel a lot of that nationally in media coverage because they've gotten rid of the destination soap opera every Tuesday night of the committee. Yeah, it's been boring so far, to say yeah. the least. Like, we know Sunday morning, by the time all everybody puts their peoples together, and by the time we have a chance to digest the previous weekend slate of college football games, who the top four is going to be. I mean, I think this week was no surprise with TCU rounding out that mix. A team, though, I'm wondering your thoughts if they can make a chance here considering their schedule's gotten much harder from where they started in the seasons. Number six, Oregon. They're 13 and a half point favorites at home against Washington this year. If they win out, Heisman finalist is Bo Nix. No question there. But could this be a CFP finalist too in your eyes? Yeah, I, th- I think they get there. And the, the hardest part about this is going to be the committee's going to be in a real pickle. They're going to be a real gherkin in a few weeks because if <laughs> If uh, Oregon gets their way out and they win the Pac-12, they'll have one loss. That one loss will be a blowout loss to Georgia, which we've never seen a team blown out win the co- make it to the college football playoff. Well, that's going to mirror the resume very similarly of Tennessee. 
And if you start to say, well, common opponent, Tennessee played Georgia tighter than Oregon did, as crazy as that sounds, and Tennessee's going to be saying, hey, the only difference is conference championships. So I think the weirdest part of Oregon is if you want to put Oregon in the college football playoff, well, do they have a win that's better than beating Alabama? I, I don't know that they will by then. And even if they do, their loss to Georgia is worse. So I could see a world where the committee feels really stuck trying to figure out how to justify Oregon just because of a Pac-12 championship going in above Tennessee. And don't at me with the whole, like, championships matter. They don't. They only gave you four playoff bids. There are five Power Five conferences plus the group of five. They told you in the original structure they don't care about conference champions. We love your college football analysis, Jason Fitz, but I want to hear your NFL analysis when it comes to the Raiders, because, of course, you are the resident Raiders fan here at ESPN Radio. Your team is sitting at two and six, bottom of the AFC West, a division that isn't nearly as good as any of us thought it was going to be headed into this season. What the heck, Fitz? Yeah, well, and the crazy part is six losses. Three of those have been 17-point leads for the Raiders that were blown. They tie a historic mark for the the only other t- the, the second team ever to blow three 17-point leads or more in one season. So you think about how weird this year has gone for the Raiders. It's that da- it's bad. It's sad. And the craziest part, y'all, as I listen to me playing on a wind in the background, the craziest part of all of it is what do you do with Derek Carr, who's had some back is- issues this year? If they manage to bubble wrap Derek Carr and tell you the back is flared up, then you know the Raiders are in full tank mode and they're looking to trade him. It, it, it is wild what is going to happen from this. A full rebuild will start because they've blown three, three leads. And the news from the Raiders this week, they put wide receiver Hunter Renfro, tight end Darren Waller on injured reserve. They can come back after four games. Now, will they is the question, as Fitz was alluding to. If the tank-a-thon is going to be something that they want to tap into here, it's going to be a very different Raiders team than we all expected finishing out the season with a very ugly record. Jason Fitz of Spain and Fitz, you can hear him coming up in just about two hours on ESPN radio station, 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern time. Appreciate the time as always. Go rest up for your busy weekend. You guys are the best. Thanks for having me. This college football playoff is brought to you by AT&T 5G. Too much college football is never too much with AT&T 5G. When is it too early to begin giving up on a season in professional sports, just like Fitz was talking about with the Las Vegas Raiders, who stand currently at 2-6? and six. We're going to get into some tanking theories coming up next year on Canty and Carlin. Courtney Cronin, Amber Wilson filling in for the guys on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Celebrating Veterans Day with Brian Kelly on ESPN Radio. We're just fortunate and lucky to have so many veterans uh, that have given us this opportunity to do what we love to do on a day-to-day basis. ESPN Radio celebrating America's heroes on Veterans Day. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. 
You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Man, some teams haven't just had a bad day or bad couple of days been a bad year for teams like the Indianapolis Colts, the Las Vegas Raiders, two teams that face off this weekend. A new head coach on the Indianapolis side and our former ESPN colleague Jeff Saturday and the Raiders at two and six right now. Doesn't feel like their season's going anywhere anytime fast. Courtney Cronin, Amber Wilson with you here on Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. ESPN Radio is always presented by Progressive Insurance. You can hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed at Amber W Sports is Amber's Twitter handle at Courtney R. Cronin is mine. Let us know. When is it too early to give up on a season and begin to tank? We're going to be talking about the Raiders, the Colts, the Packers, and the Lakers. So I want to start with the team that Jason Fitz of Spain and Fitz um, just talked about here on Canty and Carlin. This Las Vegas Raiders team, Amber, has lost three games this season when they've been leading by 17 points. Right now, they're 2-6. and six. They were one of my sneaky wild-card favorites. That doesn't feel like that's going to be happening. That whole division outside of the Chiefs is an utter disaster. But this week, they put Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller on IR. Blake Martinez up and retires. So this is a group that it doesn't feel like they're too far away from mailing it in and saying, let's get him in 2023. Let's start thinking about that high draft pick. And yet you still got Derek Carr and you still got Devontae Adams. I tend to agree with what Fitz says. Like when we start hearing about Derek Carr's back issues, you know, air quotes, and all of a sudden they bench him for the rest of the season, then we'll know what's up. I don't think right now they're in tank mode. I think right now they're in we're bad mode. And it's broken for the Las Vegas Raiders. I don't really know what the solution is. It doesn't look like any of us expected it to look. It's too early for Josh McDaniels to be on the hot seat. But when you have that kind of talent on offense and when you're talking about coming off of a season like they did last season where Derek Carr got all the praise because somehow manages to right the ship in the face of so much adversity. And then this season, it feels like all of a sudden has succumbed to all the adversity when there shouldn't be any adversity because you have Devontae Adams and you thought the direction of this franchise was growing, you know, was growing and that you have this new coaching staff and all you heard about McDaniels was, oh, he's matured since the last time he was a head coach and he'll be great now from all that time that he spent back with the Patriots and now he's well into his 40s and so it'll be a different story and so far it's not a different story. This has been a mess, a disaster. I'm not saying they shouldn't consider taking at this point. I'm just going to say right now today on November 11th, I don't think we're quite there yet. And the team that they faced this weekend the Indianapolis Colts, which has a new head coach, and Jeff Saturday, after he was hired to, I believe it was Monday, we find out, and you know he's been thrown into a whirlwind week. No experience at the NFL level, no experience at the college level as a head coach. You've got to think that a 3-5-1 team, which is crazy to talk about, a 3-5-1 team is second in the AFC South right now in the Indianapolis Colts. So they very well could, you know, win that division potentially. It does feel like Tennessee's going to run away from it, but who knows? A couple things break their way, but it doesn't feel like that's going to happen, especially with a coaching move like that. Do you hire somebody who doesn't have a lick of NFL experience passing up others on your staff if you're not in tank mode? Jim Irsay says no. 
but the optics around that say otherwise. I think that Jim Irsay is trying to have some fun. I mean, I and I think uh, also uh, he's trying to have some fun because he doesn't care if the winning ends up coming. Obviously, if you were so concerned about truly competing in that division and you were so concerned about the win-loss column, then what you would be doing is, I would imagine, elevating somebody within that organization or going after somebody with prior head coaching experience. That's not what happened here. And so I feel like Jim Irsay was just like, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna hire who I want. Like, I'm going to hire who I like and just give him a shot. And who cares? It's a lost season anyways. We already benched Matt Ryan. Apparently, Matty Ice was not the problem there in Indianapolis because they haven't looked any better since they did that anyways. It's a lost season for the Colts. It's a lost season because the Colts don't have a quarterback. They're going to have to figure out that situation. They've been searching for a solution since Andrew Luck. They have to find a solution. And in order to find that solution, you probably want to have a pretty good draft pick in this next upcoming NFL draft that is going to be decently quarterback heavy. It would change the trajectory of the franchise if they're able to participate there. So I'm not saying that he is setting his, you know, I'm not saying that like they're, I think with a lot of these franchises, Courtney, it's not like, hey, here's your marching orders. Go tank. It's like, eh, we're just going to kind of set it up and see what happens. See what happens. You know, roll the dice. And if we're bad, that's great. If we're bad enough, it's even better. Yeah. And then like if Jeff Saturday ends up being the best head coach of an NFL team ever and they go undefeated the rest of the season, that's like, all right, well, we found our guy. We found our coach. So fine. Upside, you know, Candy and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Courtney Cronin, Amber Wilson. And he has eight games to prove himself and he has nothing to lose because it's not like he was expecting to get this call from Jim Irsay. It just so happens that Irsay wanted to go the unconventional route and not elevate anybody on his staff. And if they win games, maybe you have somebody in your head coach. If you don't win games, then you get a high draft pick. So I guess lose-lose, win-win, that equates to, to something for the Indianapolis Colts. How about the Green Bay Packers? This is a team that's 3-6. and six. Aaron Rodgers just signs a massive extension this offseason. Doesn't feel like he's going anywhere anytime soon, but they've lost five in a row, and it feels like this season is over for a team that you, me, everybody picked to win the NFC North. It feels over because they're not good. Uh, it doesn't feel over because it has to be over. They are sitting at second in that division in the NFC North. He is aided, of course, by being in a terrible division. And I, I think that you're talking, of course, about the back-to-back reigning MVP and Aaron Rodgers. I don't think you're ever going to tell that man to tank. If they were going to tank, they're going to make the switch to Jordan Love. You're not going to bench Aaron Rodgers for Jordan Love. Like, what are we talking about? I know all those rumors are out there. That feels like madness you just paid Aaron Rodgers over 50 per annual and you're gonna go ahead and bench him to see what you have in the future and Jordan Love I I don't I don't think any of that is gonna come to fruition I think that they believe that they're still gonna be able to find a way because of the greatness of Aaron Rodgers I think they're wrong but I think that's the plan they're just a bad team they're not a tanking team they're just a bad team currently at the moment Another team that might be bad but has good players on it is Los Angeles Lakers. They're 2-9. LeBron has a nagging injury. Is their season already over before it's truly begun? We're going to ask Matt Barnes next when he joins us here on Canty and Carlin after Amber tells you this from Indeed. If you need to hire, you need a partner by your side every step of the way. Indeed's end-to-end hiring solution makes it easy to attract, interview, and hire candidates all from one place. The moment you sponsor a job post, you'll get instantly matched with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed meet your job description. And you can then conveniently schedule and conduct virtual interviews right from Indeed's hiring platform. Start today and get $75 in credit towards your first sponsored job. Visit Indeed.com slash credit. Terms and conditions may apply. 
Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Rolling along on a Friday afternoon, Courtney Cronin and Amber Wilson kicking it with you on Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, and the ESPN app. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Amber, we got the news from Adrian Wojnarowski, which you just heard in Christine Lisi's Sports Center update, that a resolution could be happening, quote, very soon after Kyrie Irving met with Joe and Clara Sai, team officials, union officials. And apparently this five-game suspension that he's currently in the midst of serving because of anti-Semitic comments that he made, I believe it was the week before last, and then he tweeted out a just tweeted out a link to a video that promoted racial tropes, anti-Semitic tropes. Um, there's a lot that's going on right now, but apparently there's this resolution that's going to somehow take place in a couple of days. The NBA PA told players that in an email that was obtained by ESPN and the NBA PA maintained to its membership that Kyrie's rights and the rights of all future players have been protected at every turn. In the memo, the NBA PA reiterated to players that Irving and the union have unequivocally can, they unequivocally condemn anti-Semitism and other forms of hate. So Kyrie Irving, to, to recap, was suspended for a minimum of five games for failing to initially condemn the anti-Semitic material that he shared on his own social media. So there's some skepticism, though, that he's going to be in, peti- in position to return as soon as Sunday, which would be the end of those five games, when the Nets play the Lakers, or perhaps even further, Tuesday, against the Kings. And so... I think the question that we're all wondering is all of this education, and you remember seeing reports of what Kyrie Irving was going to have to fulfill in order to get back on the court. How can you fulfill that in a matter of five games and expect that you've actually changed someone's thoughts on something to where they can be a productive member of this team and not serve as a distraction while also spreading hateful rhetoric. Well, and I think a productive member of this team might even be a different conversation because also the Nets appear to be better without Kyrie Irving from a basketball perspective, and KD is apparently playing better without Kyrie Irving. So there's that factor as well. If you're the Nets, you might be evaluating what to do with Kyrie Irving absent what has happened here. But absolutely, it would be hard with the protocol that they set out that he needed to fulfill. It would be very hard to do that in what amounted to, you know, essentially six days, Courtney, right? And and so there was an expectation there then, does this thing become indefinite? When is Kyrie coming back? Obviously, we are headed towards some sort of resolution. I have heard a lot 
lot of people compare the situation with Kyrie to the situation that happened a couple years ago with Myers Leonard on the Miami Heat when he was playing a video game and uttered an anti-Semitic slur. And I will say one of the things that I haven't heard anyone say was Myers Leonard had himself volunteered to do all those things. He was immediately sorry, and he had himself actually volunteered to meet with these community leaders, to take these, you know, steps for education, to learn about, you know, Judaism and all this sort of stuff. And he did that. And he did that actually because he treated him, traded him one week later after he served his suspension, that he traded him immediately. That was the end of his NBA career because he was on the final year of a guaranteed contract. And he actually still went and pursued all of those avenues to try to, you know, better himself. And he was pretty transparent about that on his social media, the steps that he took. He still met with leaders in the Jewish community. He didn't just shy away, I guess, from the things that he had said voluntarily that he was going to do. The difference here, of course, is kind of the way Kyrie initially handled things, which seems to be what the problem ended up being from the Nets perspective, where that he showed no more remorse initially and that he made the situation so much worse. And because of that, they felt this need to kind of institute these protocols and these hoops that he needed to jump through before he got back on the court. It's hard for me to believe that he's actually done those things, though, just because, like you said, the timing of it all. Yeah, he had made a hard pivot during that first shoot-around, post-shoot-around availability to some extreme whataboutism, and he didn't say the words, I am sorry, and no, I don't have any anti-Semitic beliefs until it was far too late. And reportedly, this is all that he had to do. I'm not saying this is all meaning like, you know, a small amount. This is what he reportedly has to do in order to return to the team. So apologize and condemn the movie. He did that. $500,000 donation to anti-hate causes, sensitivity training, anti-Semitic training, meet with the Anti-Defamation League, Jewish leaders, meet with Joe Sy to demonstrate understanding. Now, we know that he had a meeting with Joe Sy yesterday. The, the owner of the Nets had tweeted that out, that he and his wife, Clara, had a meeting with Kyrie Irving and that he didn't believe that he had any anti-Semitic beliefs. I'm sorry, but just the way that this thing's being handled feels like a lot of corners are being cut and being like, okay, we talked to him. Everything's good. You know, we believe he doesn't have any sort of hateful beliefs towards any sort of community. Good to go. Let's get him back out on the court. That list I just read you, that takes months. Like, can you really change somebody's mind when very clearly he stood firm in this and, you know, was acting like he was being persecuted for his beliefs and then bringing up, well, why don't you go as hard with your energy, you meaning the media, on this subject and this subject? It just felt like he was pivoting because he was irritated that his beliefs or what he felt he had the right to say, whether right or wrong, that he wasn't getting the same sort of fair shot when, you know, he's trying to, you know, police other things that are taking place. And it's just I just don't think that you can truly when I first saw the the requirements for him to have to to be able to come back and play basketball and do his job and earn his paycheck, it just felt like that's something that you can't expedite this process. This isn't something that like, okay, in a matter of a week I'm going to complete this quote unquote training. You don't change beliefs like that. Well, it, felt, it feels a little bit like corporate sensitivity training, right? And, you know, it, we all have it in our jobs. And it's like, is this really change? Is this really the, the vehicle to change minds and to really educate people? Or is it sort of a liability issue for companies? And that's another reason that they make sure that their employees have participated in these things. The, the truth is probably a bit 
leaning towards the ladder there, Courtney. And so with the Nets, I wonder, too, if, in other words, they're instituting some of these hoops for him to jump through so that the optics are like, okay, he did these things. Like, he did things. And so now we can deal with it from a basketball perspective. And again, from the basketball perspective, I don't know if him back on the court in a Brooklyn Nets uniform is actually going to be the best thing for the Brooklyn Nets. But if they want to trade him away from value, then they have to correct this problem. And so how do you correct this problem? You probably want to correct it as fast as you can. And so there's still a scenario here where I could see Kyrie Irving not being a member of the Brooklyn Nets, but the Brooklyn Nets still trying to kind of get done with this process, revamp the narrative around Kyrie so that they can move on from Kyrie because right now they're hindered in doing so probably because of the storm around him. Canty and Carlin, Courtney Cronin and Amber Wilson filling in for the guys. So like, I feel like the NBA, the NBA PA, the team itself, as in the Brooklyn Nets, are trying to make this as seamless as possible in helping Kyrie Irving, which I don't know why you'd help somebody who Well, that is continues. the PA's job, don't forget. I mean, the, the PA's, PA's job, job is... The team, not so much. Right. I mean, you... This is not his first misstep, and it's not the first time that he has put the Brooklyn Nets in a negative light. It feels like all of those things and all of those entities are doing everything they can to handle Kyrie Irving with kid gloves and help him along so he can get back on the court. Nike, on the other hand, not so much. Co-owner Phil Knight told CNBC yesterday that he, quote, quote, doubts that they would go back, meaning like having a relationship with Kyrie Irving because last Friday it was announced that Kyrie was suspended, that their relationship between himself and Nike, and they canceled plans to release his next signature shoe, which was part of the massive fallout that followed after his comments that he made last week and tweeting the link to the film that contained anti-Semitic material. Like, is Nike the only one standing on something here? And I know that there are athletes out there. Jalen Brown ran his mouth about it saying, since when does Nike care about ethics? And of course, you can trace what he actually means by that down to where they make their shoes, how they make their profits. There's a whole lot there. But I don't know. Maybe I'm just the only one who thinks, hey, Kyrie Irving said all these things. They're pretty egregious in what he stood on, and he's definitely doubled down on it before he was you know, all but forced to apologize, realizing that everything he cared about was about to be ripped away from him, that you can expect, oh, he changed his mind in five games. Yeah, a paycheck can make you change your mind and say, yes, yes, I agree with this. No, I was wrong, whatever, and, and swallowing your pride to get be, be able to get back on the basketball court. I felt from the beginning of this that five games was not enough, and that if he were to get back out on the court, it wouldn't be anytime soon because how do you truly change someone's mind when very clearly he feels a certain type of way about this and you may say all the right things, you may not at the right time to make sure that you can you know, get back to doing what you want to do, but you're not really changing a person. Well, and people have to want to change, right? You know, like I referenced the situation with Myers Leonard and him taking the honest on himself to go do those things. People have to want to change. It's questionable whether Kyrie actually wants to change anything in this equation. All right, coming up next. Next, the Dallas Cowboys. Are they the biggest threat to the Eagles in the NFC? We're going to answer that and more when we go through Respect It or Check It. That's coming up next. Candy and Carlin. Respect It or Check It with Candy and Carlin. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! 
loved it. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Kenny and Carlin, ESPN Radio in the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Amber Wilson presented to you as always by Progressive Insurance. It's that time of night. Respect it or check it. We'll bring in producer Devin Kane to go through a handful of topics. You hear the NFL music there. Devin, where are we starting on this Friday afternoon? Courtney, let's start with the topic of the day, or one of the topics of the day, Josh Allen and his health. Josh Allen will play this Sunday for the Bills. Courtney, respect it or check it? I'm going to check it because the Bills are smarter than that. They know that they need Josh Allen for the postseason. It's going to be November 13th, week 10, on the time that this Vikings-Bills game takes place in Orchard Park. So, no, they will not be seeing Josh Allen under center. It will be Case Keenum against his former team, the Vikings. I'm going to check this as well. Uh, Case Keenum, a viable backup. We saw that in two starts last year in Cleveland, he can still win you games. Courtney already broke down certainly how he was involved in what happened there in Minnesota back in 2017. He's got the relationship. I think that you stick with Case Keenum. You play it safe with Josh Allen. So I'm going to check this. All right, Amber. Not only will the Seahawks make the playoffs, but they will win at least one game in said playoffs. Respect it or check it. I have absolutely no reason to respect this. But I almost want to. I don't know what's happening with the Seahawks this season. I really don't understand any of it. But Pete Carroll is a heck of a coach. This might be his best coaching job ever. And we're talking about a coach that has won Super Bowls and national titles, right? Like he has been as successful as any coach can be on every level. And this his version of the Seattle Seahawks with Geno Smith, what he has done with Geno Smith might be the most impressive thing that a 70-year-old Pete Carroll has ever done in his entire football career. I feel like I'm just going to respect it because it's fun. I'm absolutely putting some respect on the Seattle Seahawks. Right now, they're the number three seed in the NFC playoff picture. How could I not put some respect on that? Like, can they win a game in the postseason? Yes, they absolutely can. The NFC is wide open. We know it's the Eagles, the Vikings, the Seahawks, and then the Bucks. maybe? Maybe the Bucks get the four seed just because they're going to end up winning the NFC South, the division that nobody wants to win. But no, Seattle's going to run away with the NFC West. I think that the Rams are going to finish fourth. Uh, that was going to be my one of my bold predictions for the second half of this season. So the way that I see this, yes, they win a game, and they're going to win a game on the road at that in the postseason. All right, Courtney, the Cowboys are the biggest threat to the Eagles in the NFC. Respect it or check it? I will respect that. Because, respectfully. Yes, very respectfully, because the Cowboys have proven – to be more than what I thought they were going to be, even with Dak Prescott back. I thought this was going to be solely a team that relies on its defense to win games. And, yes, they are excellent defensively, but Dak being back with an offense that had a lot of question marks on it by the time he injured with that thumb injury, they've changed the game, and they've changed my opinion of them. I think it's an NFC championship game between the Eagles and the Cowboys for a trip to the Super Bowl. I am going to respect this as well. This has everything to do with how good the Cowboys have looked since Dak has been healthy and everything to do with Micah and that defense as well, but also everything to do with what the rest of the NFC looks like. And if it ain't them, then who? I don't really believe in any of these other teams. Even the Vikings feel like fool's gold to me at 7-1, and so I'm going to respect this. All right, Amber, Sauce Gardner of the Jets, already the best cornerback in the NFL. Respect it or check it? 
the best rookie in the NFL. I'll give him that. I'm not going to make him the best cornerback already. Now, it appears that he is trending that direction. He did get off to a little bit of a slow start in the season, though. It's a small sample size. I don't want to be so prisoner of the moment that I'm already saying, hey, Sauce Gardner is the best cornerback in the NFL. He is certainly one of the most fun cornerbacks to watch this season. He's explosive. He's dynamic. And he's the best rookie so far this season, but not the best cornerback quite yet. Yeah, I think that there are a couple players on the Philadelphia Eagles who might have something to say about that, namely James Bradbury and Darius Slay. But nonetheless, Amber's right. We're gonna res- we're gonna we're gonna check him being the best shutdown corner in this class, best corner in this group, and we're gonna say he's the best rookie corner. He should run away with rookie defensive rookie of the year honors. I think no question. He's been awesome to watch. He was great last week in shutting down Josh Allen. Obviously, that final play comes to mind where he tips the ball away from Gabe Davis, uh, the last chance that Buffalo had to score. He certainly paid off for the Jets picking him. I believe it was at four this past year. He's helped revamp a defense that could be in that elite category. All right, got time for one more? Yeah, let's get one more in here. Justin Fields is the best quarterback in the 2021 draft class. Obviously, you had Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Mac Jones, Davis Mills, and Trey Lance were the headliners. Respect uh, or check it, Courtney? Re- respect it. And he's proven it the last three weeks. So until further notice, he is the best, 21, cl- best quarterback from that 2021 draft class. I guess I'll respect this. I mean, again, a very small sample size. It's unbelievable what that man can do with his legs. And he is, he. I mean, he is a phenomenal athlete. He's so fun to watch, Courtney, but I, the best, I mean, yeah, listen, that group so far, nobody separated themselves fine. I'll give it to him for the last three games. Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Mac Jones, Davis Mills, and Trey Lance all make up that 2021 draft class. Trey Lance is not playing, and the others have struggled uh, mightily throughout this season, except for Zach Wilson, which, you know, jury's still out. Specter Check It brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Coming up next, is it possible that the Bucks hit a turning point? We're going to preview their game against the Seahawks next. Kenny and Carlin.